0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: the whistleblowers is back for the season by lab brooks
0: we have whistle and this is true we love to do the things that we're not supposed to do we don't need robbing stealing or mugging in fact we'll take it seriously we're only bugging <laughs> This is The Whistleblowers and I'm Martin Gritton, your host tonight, joined by what can only be described as award-winning company uh, in the shape of uh, journalists and well, part-time broadcasters as well, I would say, Jack Pitbrook.
1: Hi Martin, how are you doing?
0: Very good, thanks Jack. Jack from The Independent, of course, uh, and also... um, yeah, as I said, appearing this weekend on on Sky Sunday Supplement. Yes, on Sunday morning, lovely stuff. Lovely. So, who were you on with this
1: week? I was on with Neil Ashton, Matt Law, and Ollie Holt. Okay. Uh, I've been on, on with Ollie Holt. I think every time I've been on, really, but he's really nice, and he's uh, he's also a good talker. So you can throw him the ball, and he'll kind of keep hold of it for a, a minute or two yeah. while you kind of think of something else to say.
0: You gather your thoughts. He did he? What's his connection to Stockport? Is he in Mancunian? Uh, I think he's from Stockport. I think when I played for Stockport, we kind of—I think he was always very kind to us as a club, and we didn't deserve any sort of kindness at the time. Yeah, he's a
1: Stockport fan. He often talks about how miserable it is they're now in what Conference North.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it is—they've stopped the rot, but the rot is set. Deep, deep in. We'll not dwell in too long on that. Um, uh, our other guest tonight. Yeah, speaking of rot.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> lovely link there, thanks. Uh, uh, another award winner, yeah. I, I've been led to believe. So uh, it's it's com- comedian uh, and presenter, Mark Smith. Oh, presenter, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. throwing that yeah, in there, because no, nice. I've seen you present. You have seen me present. You're always presenting.
2: Always presenting. Represent. And the award, I should point out before anyone gets on me <laughs> sort of uh, legally, uh, the award was for sport when I was 12 but I'm a comedian, so essentially, I am still an award-winning comedian.
0: Well, that's that's as loose as we need, <laughs> yeah. and particularly uh, apt on the uh, day after the Oscars. So um, look at us all—not not the Chinese Super League Oscar, uh, perhaps <laughs> perhaps more apt. Um, uh, moving on, so I'd like to discuss or to start with um, one of the more depressing scenes. We've just literally come in the room after the Arsenal fans and the Malays. You can still you can still whiff it in the room. Uh, Venga this weekend. What's, I mean, uh, Jack, where what were your initial thoughts when seeing that result? Did you watch the game?
1: Yeah, so I watched the game in a pub, uh, which I'll plug, the Lecon Field in Stoke Newington. Oh, lovely. Very nice pub, it's obviously kind of deep <laughs> What in, deal
0: are you on for? Uh,
1: this? What show is this? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Plug it kind stuff? of deep in Gunner Central yeah. in Stokey. And normally, like, when you watch a pub in that part of the world, it's full of incredibly obnoxious Arsenal fans yeah. who sing along, even though it's the pub. Yeah. Um, and there was no sense of, like, there were lots of people there who nominally support Arsenal, but there was no sense of, like, buzz or excitement or even, even like, when Arsenal had the ball or there was nothing. Like, there was so, like, the, feel, the feeling of the Arsenal fans, and this is reflected by, it was exactly the same when I was at the Carabao Cup final or when I was at Arsenal nil City three at the Emirates last week. Like, the, all the optimism and fun and excitement and even, like, the kind of caring has just been completely sucked out of that, mm. that group of fans now. And it's obviously filtered through to the players because it's it kind of comes from the players. And it was kind of inevitable what was going to happen. Like, there was no sense that Arsenal were really in the game. And you just knew that even though Arsenal would have the ball at the start, like, eventually something would go wrong, and it mm. did. And it was no surprise they went
0: 2-0 down. That air of inevitability is something that's familiar to probably, well... I, as all his football fans supporting our team um, but the Arsenal one it, even from the outside you just watch it and you're just like something's going to happen yeah, I mean, I mean being the, a Derby, you're the, a Derby fan aren't you? Let's you're, not get
2: into this but the, the Arsenal thing of, of the fans seemed defeated before it started and certainly the players do but at least when normally you have a team who are doing terribly and let's say again Derby County you know 12 years ago when we went down with the lowest points total with ten games left, we're doing conga lines around the stadium. There's something triumphant about that. But with with Arsenal, it just seems like a, a constant grind. And no one was surprised by the result. That's the interesting thing. Mm. This is Brighton away. I mean, Brighton, yeah, they're they're fine. And at the start of the season, well organised and you know tough to break down. But they're not a special side at all. And no, Arsenal have gone there and performed very similarly. Well, so, let's not take too much credit weekend?
0: away from them. I think that, that you know there was elements of that game that just um, they just did what they should do during the game you know Brighton and they ask questions the goals certainly well check check please literally Uh, he should have perhaps done a lot better and he was very uh, open in his his criticism on himself on Twitter Uh, but I mean it can't just be down to him if you've got enough talent (laughs) on the team there's certainly players that have let them down
1: but I think Arsenal have a habit of beating themselves in games like this Mm. it actually reminded me a lot of a game which I went to early in the season Back in January, I think, where they lost two one at Bournemouth, where Bournemouth didn't really have to do anything. Like Arsenal, Arsenal just coughed up these massive chances. They yeah. give up the ball. The defending is so bad. Like they, you know, this on Sunday, the Brighton goals were what the first one was the second ball off a corner and mm. check which tec- check flapped come. out, and yeah. the second one was like a simple cross and a header which went straight through check. Yeah, like yeah. it's so. Arsenal are so bad now, you don't have to do anything special at all to beat them. And yep. that means that anyone in the Premier League can beat them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you
2: just, if you turn up and put in a bit of a shift, you've, you've got a shot at Arsenal. i also got to say about the Arsenal game, the uh, the Aubameyang goal, I don't know if you noticed it on TV, you were in a pub, Jack, so maybe you didn't hear it. But the commentary on it was the least enthusiastic thing I've ever heard.
1: Right, and there was no rea- in the pub I was in. There was no
0: reaction. Was from the Arsenal fans. It was completely
2: or. bizarre because you've just got yourself back in the game. It's before half time. You've got you know you've got a shot at this still. No, it was Weird, wasn't it? He scored the goal, and the commentator literally didn't say anything for three seconds, mm. and then sort of whispered.
1: Right, it was oh, as, if, is as if it was a goal that made it five one instead of five yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt yeah, like no, a consolation
2: actually. goal in the ninety first minute, not in the forty first minute. It, it was it was bizarre, but it seems to be just away with Arsenal at the moment, and, and no one's surprised, and also. With Wenger, I'm not an Arsenal fan by any stretch of the imagination and I actively laugh at Arsenal fans in the last few years. However, Wenger has been a staple of the Premier League since I've really been watching the Premier League. Hmm. And for a lot of people my age or slightly younger, it is sad to watch this guy turn into, you know, his, his, his legacy is disappearing and you can see... You can just see the the entire project falling apart, and him going out at the wrong time, and it just becoming a bit of a laughing stock. And it's it's sad to see.
0: Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with with all everything you said there. I think the the one thing about Wenger is the one thing about the Premier League is, is is the ruthless nature in which people are dispatched, and the fact that I think someone compared. To, uh, They've gone from Ferguson to Moyes without losing the manager. You yeah, know, it's were. that kind yeah. of, it's that thing where it's just kind of you you see it very apparently in front of you. But the, the, players, that, um, the players that, the players that the funny thing is the opportunity. What I don't understand is the opportunity that say uh, Wilshere's been uh, lauded as someone that's kind of got this drive and got the passion and got the interest of the club at heart, and um, he's not putting any performances that have, have been worthy of that he was it was a great cog in a very well-oiled machine when they, they had some great players around them. Same with Otso. Also, I mean, just the kind of, his general attitude is someone that people always put fun at, but just his effectiveness in the game, let alone anything else. I mean, you compare him to a player of his equivalent like David Silva, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and Silva, I've seen... I've seen City you know get get cut apart by teams in Europe before and he still he still demands the ball and still wants it and he's yeah. always interested you know
1: yeah but I think I think that kind of speaks to just the general lack of structure organisation motivation whatever for these Arsenal players like there's no Wenger I think is now so basically offers so little as a manager particularly compared to his rivals at other big clubs that the players are just kind of walking through it themselves. That like there's no and there's no sense that like if it goes wrong they're going to get a bollocking or mm. whatever. They all keep their places next week. They're all walking. Right. They're all walking through yeah. it. And they, and you know on a good day if they're all in the mood they can play well. They have proved that this season. Yeah. But there's no um, particularly when things go against them they don't really know how to get themselves out of it.
2: There seems to be no steel in that team. It's something we've talked about for years with Arsenal. There's no steel. There's no real hard man in there that can grab the game with a scruff of the neck and, and be she, like, we're not going down like this. Yeah. And we thought, well, they thought, that Shaka might mm. be that guy and he's not that yeah. guy, it turns he's out. He's the worst
1: defense material I've ever seen. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But you want someone, they thought they were getting a Vieira or a Keane and they haven't got that at all. No. But I thought, what's interesting with them compared to City, for example, is City also have a lack of sort of those guys, those sort of bastards. They don't have them either. Fernandinho maybe. But what they have got is players that will deliver they've got steel in a different way. They've got players mm. that will deliver big moments and big games. And if they are one down, you always feel confident that City can do something about it. But I don't think
1: there's like a difference in talent between City and Arsenal that no. much, really. Like I think a lot of those if you look at I mean, even at the game on Thursday when City won 3-0, like Arsenal's fronts in Arsenal's front six, they had Urzil, Mikatarian um, Yang. they had all players who were probably good enough to play for City, but the difference is that City, they've got a very City got a manager who provides motivation structure, a clear idea of how he wants to play, very like in-depth hands-on coaching, and so the players have got the platform, the players basically know what is, what is expected of them and have the platform to deliver
0: When when they chase down the ball though I mean like in my experience from playing when you have to go and you go all together and you hunt in packs they um, the the way which City press the ball, they always look like they're going to win the ball straight back. Yeah. I mean, literally just, you know, they'll harass, they'll nick a ball. I mean, like there'll be they'll be tackles going in, but it will just always be a foot in. There'll always be something to inconvenience the the, the player that harassing. Whereas, you know, at Arsenal, certainly that, I mean, that was a massive, that was a massive, we'll come on to Chelsea's attitude towards the City game and, yeah. and the way that City did that to them. But um, coming on to that, uh, just, just in terms of the mentality of the City players, um, I mean, it, the manager can instill so much confidence but i remember when uh, pep first came and i think he tried to instill that confidence to players that weren't ready for it yet yeah. and then urging them to get the ball from the back and they just didn't look comfortable they ended up giving the ball away in their own third and that caused them problems didn't it
1: yeah massively i think looking back lo- last season seems like a completely different city team you know when they had bravo in goal changing caballero sanya Clichy, zabaleta players who weren't really up to the demands that pep put on them because the thing about pep is that like yeah he's a really good manager but he i think what he does only really works with top top players and lastly he didn't ha- <clears throat> sorry yeah. he didn't have the players and it meant that you had this kind of weird situation where for the f- kind of the first time in guardiola's career what he was asking players to do they weren't capable of doing yeah
0: well, and he's had the luxury to, you know, and it's not that he's had it easy, but he's certainly had the luxury of um, resources and players at his disposal. Yeah, but
2: he's also got the, the ability to identify players that do have that, you know, mental strength to do things in big games. Yeah. And and it is that thing of, yeah, of course, tactically you're hunting in packs, but you've still got to be willing to put yourself on the line. And, and someone as diminutive as David Silver is happy to do it mm. for Pep, but it's not happening in the same way at Arsenal. And Jack's right, that the, the term, the, the golfing class between... Uh, attacking players between Arsenal and City isn't isn't that great. It's not a huge leap. We're but not talking certainly about shouldn't be, should it? Yeah. No. In terms of individuals, that you know those players could easily get in the hmm. the City side and look like world beaters. Do
0: you uh, we uh, you, you made a comment before about uh, about City and 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 how perhaps that they're making this league look.
2: No, I heard a comment. I read. A I mean, comment. I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. that, I'm not
0: quoting you verbatim. I just are we saying who the comment was? From, you're you're from welcome France? to say it because I'm, as a Scotsman. Uh, there's relevance on that side for me as well.
2: So, um, James Ducker, who's a uh, journalist for the Telegraph, Northern yep. correspondent, tweeted today that he said that uh, that Pep is turning the Premier League into the Scottish Premiership, and I think that's ridiculous. Right? <laughs> you can't. You cannot. You cannot. Compare the two. It's not, it's not possible to do it. Man City have had a wonderful six months. They've been super... The football they've played have been out of this world. Yep. And you could say it's the best football we've seen.
0: They're nearly as good as Celtic. You could, <laughs> right. You could almost say But that.
2: Celtic have won the league, what, the last seven years in a row? Yeah, five, six, a month. Whatever, five, it, six, it, well, whatever five, it is. Yeah. I mean, Juve have won it all these times in a row. Bayern Munich, six times in a row. We're not there yet. If in five years' time, City have won four, five, whatever it is, then we can say it. But off the back of six months, you, you can't say that yet.
1: What's interesting about that is that City have already got more points than United did in 1999. Yeah. And they're heading for... I think it, I'd be really surprised if they didn't break Chelsea's record, which is 95 points. Mm. And they could even get to 100. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that probably tell I think that probably says something about how basically the imbalance of resources between City and the other Premier League teams, whereas yeah. even back in 1999, as good as Man United were, they weren't like they didn't have 10 times as much resources as the other 19 in and the they same had, way that City do now.
2: And as a result, they had a more competitive league. Right, yeah. So they course. had a, a really that, that good Arsenal side breathing down yeah. there. Yeah.
0: yeah. That affects points. And there's a there's a lot of psychology that goes in. I mean, it goes both ways. The psychology that um, having a more competitive team makes you a better side, but also the psychology that being that far ahead as City are, they should yeah. automatically take their foot off the pedal.
2: But the last three seasons we've seen teams win comfortably. Chelsea last season was seven points. I mean, Leicester... Less than 10 points. Yeah. So, this idea that all of a sudden it's become a one team sort of uh, circus, really, I don't think that's accurate at all.
1: That's true, but it's it's interesting to think why is it that we don't have these proper title races anymore? Yeah. Like, I wonder whether there's something about modern teams where, you know, when they get to the second half of the season, if they think they can't win the Prem, do they focus on the Champions League instead or do they kind of give up the fight? I definitely think that's happening.
2: I I think they get to the end of January, start of February, and they're not winning the league well, let's secure top four and maybe do something in a tournament as well.
0: But how quickly do teams, this is the other thing though, is it from a psychology side of things, how quickly do the teams deteriorate once the pressure's on them? You know, like a Brennan Rogers Liverpool team, as soon as you got a whiff of the title and you just need to shut down and, and see results out or you know that's something that Conte's yeah. team was brilliant at doing and, last year
1: and that was interesting enough that was the last time we had a good title race and that was yeah. four years ago yeah
0: it's amazing how quickly you can watch teams deteriorate I mean as back as the, the Ferguson you know the, the Keegan I'd love it the, the, those things the teams when you had like Villas and Sheffield mm-hmm. Wednesday, and teams that were just fantastic for the majority of the season but when it came to the pressure where, Norwich 93 yep yeah. oh well, that's it that's right going example. way back yeah, yeah. so I, I, and that kind of mentality is something that is uh you know it's long in the making but it's also something that's um you know uh richly sought after because I, I you know i don't know if the modern the modern teams display that as much uh, as you say once the teams are a canter out in the lead then then they can all, they push it on a lot easier
1: well, i think arguably this city team and maybe chelsea last year are the first teams i think have had that are the first teams that have really had that in the same way as the sort of Ferguson teams yeah. since Ferguson quit I think the general standard at the top of the league is, yeah. has dropped a bit yeah. maybe for that reason
2: I also think it's worth pointing out that this is only the second season Pep's been in England and it can take teams and players and managers a few times to work out systems how they're, how they're playing against other systems right so we've seen that with uh, Conte this year people have worked out his formation they've worked out how to play against Chelsea a bit more and you might only might, but you might work out Pep in the next year or two. Mm. So in five years, if he's won five, then we can talk about them being dominant. But in a minute, I think yeah. they've been dominant this season, but only only for no, you know, the one season.
0: It's an excellent point. Well, uh, just to say we're backed by Ladbrokes uh, this year. And for exclusive specials, go to net. Uh, that's bet.thewhistleblowers.net And you can probably get that through our social media accounts as well. Jack, turn on to uh, Spurs. Were you at the? Uh, you were at the game. Yeah, I was there on Saturday yeah. at Wembley? What did you make of that? Because that seemed that they're another team going about their business. I mean, Liverpool have crept up there and into second place so over the weekend. Certainly uh, flirted with that. And how how is Spurs looking at the minute? And and do you do you feel that there's been a bit of a resurgence in 2018 uh, in their performances?
1: Yeah, massively. Like it's it's been a bit like the last few years that they've just turned it up after Christmas and they've turned themselves into one of the best teams in the country again. Uh, it's been i think this has been probably the best run i can remember from spurs not just because of how long they've gone unbeaten but also in that they've produced some of the best performances i can remember the liverpool away to all uh, the juventus away to all beating man united at home beating arsenal at home and setting themselves up for uve at home this week mm-hmm. now obviously the Huddersfield game wasn't as you know it wasn't as exciting as any of those there was a really strong sense that all the players and fans and Pochettino had half an eye on Juve. Like so they like they didn't start Lamella and they brought Lamella on in the last 20 minutes, and everyone was thinking that means that Lamella's gonna start against Juventus. Um but that all you know, that all said they did very they were very professional. They should have won by four, far more than 2 0. No one got injured. Um but yeah, like they're certainly I think they're currently playing as well as I've ever seen them mm. play which given they don't even have their own stadium is really, is very
0: impressive. Yeah, well, and the fact that they've turned it around from like a kind of quite a dead period before Christmas, wasn't it? Where yeah, people, massively. A lot of people were doubting them.
2: Well, that was a graveyard, wasn't it, at Wembley, for the yeah. first few months. And that was a, very much playing on their, their on, on their mentally. And I think the way they've turned it around, superb. And again, I mean, Poch is just, I, I can't think of a better manager around. I can't think of anyone who I'd want to take over in one of the top clubs yeah. in the world. I mean, he he will go to the next level, Potentially. Um, hopefully it'll be with Spurs but there's a chance that it'll be yeah, or, Barcelona or Man United or whatever
0: he's got that stoicism hasn't he he's got that kind of ability that you know that that's how he would be whoever he managed yeah. which is something that you can kind of admire and subscribe to because um, you just think well this is this is that's what makes him as a coach Yeah, you know he doesn't kind of adapt or he's always I mean I don't know if it's so much his Transfer policy is levies, but that they've he's played within a budget, and anyone that kind of floats outside of that, he he's happy for them to kind of go and tie it elsewhere. Well, whether he's happy to or not, but he certainly lets them go and entertain that because I think that kind of makes the rest of the squad value what they've got there. I yeah,
1: it's a massive, it's a balancing act really, trying to keep keep the players happy and focused, given that um, like the challenge of their wage structure, and people thought at the start of the season, oh, well they've lost Carl Walker to City that's going to kind of kill the dressing room a bit because all the players are going to be thinking, I wish I was off. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was earning as much as Kyle does three times as much as we all do. But even then, like, they've managed to kind of survive that. And the mm. one player who wanted to leave, Danny Rose, has kind of been, you know, I mean, he might say he's been victimised, but he's certainly been put to one side and barely playing this year. And yet, despite all of that, like, they're still really unified. They're still performing really well. Yeah. And like, the next guy who's kind of angling for a move is Toby Alderweireld, who isn't signing yeah, a new contract. Sure, yeah. And yet they're kind of winning even without him. Well, that's, that, that's what's so impressive is that last yeah. year, like Rose Walker and Alderweireld, you'd say were two, were three absolutely indispensable players. Mm. They've lost Walker. Rose is like now very much on the fringes. And Toby's been out for a few months. And it's mm. now, you know, let's wait and see how much he plays in the rest of the season. And, and, yet the, and yet yeah. the results keep on coming. And that's what's so impressive.
2: To, uh, yeah, testament to Pochettino that mm. he has such a solid, understandable unit of, of a system that, people can just slot in wherever they are. But and they might not be as good in terms of your FIFA stats or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but them slotting in, they, they know what they're doing, they know what their roles are, they know what their job is, and they get on with it. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, Toby's been out. He's not really been missed. And Danny Rose, who was so important, the last two or three seasons, has Ben Davis has been superb and just... But because the system allows him to be superb, I that's
0: think. the thing, the best manager I ever played under. Um, perhaps not one that was a, a favourite of mine, or I was a favourite of his. But Paul Sturrock, uh, and that was the thing: we'd have two players for every position, and you knew your job. Yeah. And if you didn't do your job, if you didn't do it on the training ground, he would expect the reserves to beat the first team on a Thursday just out of bloody-mindedness, because yeah. he would want that competition. And if it didn't happen, he'd boot the reserves up the arse, even though they weren't in the side. And then you would end up. Like, I think it was four of us playing up front, and then just you knew where you were supposed to be at every single position of the pitch, and you knew your job in terms of looking after the ball, playing, in, and with the talent of the players. That's why, that's why I love it when you see Kane. Kane's ability, he never kind of fails to see to amaze me because it's like that ball to the back stick for Son. You know, being able to pull that out, just incredible ability. I didn't and, think he had that in him. No, that's the thing. I he's think a, complete, a lot of his, He's a complete footballer. I think he, he really is, and, and and but but kind of um, almost like. Kind of test tube uh, version of a footballer because everything he does is so concise and yeah. and controlled. And when he needs to take that good touch in the box and then dispatch mm. in the bottom corner, there's a, it's, it's, there's a boring kind of uh, regularity with the, the the excellence that he displays. You know what I mean? Uh, if that's a not a weird way, yeah, yeah. That. I
1: think it's all when you talk to Harry. It's all for him. It's all about like it's all about mentality um it's all like his hero is tom brady because he's someone who's yeah. kind of proved he proved all the doubters wrong and everything because people said he wasn't going to make it and with harry it's all about like relentless training ground work accepting his limitation it's it is wit like both accepting his limitations but also being incredibly ambitious about how good he can be through just so much hard work on the training ground protect Perfecting his finishing technique and everything. Yeah, he's an amazing testament to what you can achieve.
0: Well, they uh, and, and and Spurs will be lucky to keep hold of him for much longer. But I'm sure at the minute he seems to be uh, playing his best football. So, and that for a player is kind of testament and and perhaps the most important thing. Listen, well, let's let's talk about the the rest of the league when we come back after the break.
1: The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks.
0: Okay, welcome back. Let's take a look at the other end of the table after talking about the, the, the ones at the top. I My first immediate uh, uh, match to look at is the, the the Ws, the Watford versus West Brom. Uh, Pardew has had a bit of a stinker since going to the West Midlands and um, I'm sure there's many people that are quite happy about that. But uh, uh, Mark, what was your uh, take on that?
2: Uh, well, I hope he's got a relegation dance. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> great jerk, much better it second goes, time around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's, uh, Watford away is, uh, it's a tough, big teams, of, bigger teams than West Brom have gone there and lost. Yeah. It's not really a barometer of how your season's going. West Brom, I think, are, I think are probably down. Yeah. I didn't. can't see much happening for them no. between now and the end of the season. However, Watford... They're on 36 points. They've had a good season. Great start to the season. Had the drop-off with uh, yeah. Marcus Silva and him leaving. Uh, but Will Hughes is back. Let's talk about him. Well, let's talk about Will let's Hughes. Because I think if he has a a good end to the season, injury-free, and is able to play consistently, I think he could be a, a decent outside shout for England.
1: I'd love to see him in the World Cup squad, particularly yeah. given that um, Adam Lallana, who's Southgate's favourite creative midfielder, and we don't have many, L- 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 Lalana's barely played all season mm. so if you, you think if Hughes can just string together a few performances now he's got to be in for a shout to get in the squad also mm. R- Ross Barkley's barely played all season as well with mm. own injury problems do, do you think
2: Watford get enough coverage are they high profile enough for someone like Will Hughes to get in the squad this late on
1: well that's a really good question I mean I, I think that if Nathaniel Chalabry had been fit all year then he would have been in the squad like he, he was actually in Southgate's, one of Southgate's squad in September just yep. before he, he fractured his kneecap and he's, he's not played since. He's been out about six months now. Yep. Um, so I think Southgate would willingly pick someone from a kind of less sexy team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to say there you're talking about the shape, um, the shape of Watford, the, um, the fact that he plays in the, uh, Well, let's get, look, it's, it's an audio medium, but I'm shaking my head <laughs> <laughs> quite rightly. Um, but the, the fact that he plays in that, um, in that position you know the fact that attacking position that is not convinced he's not convinced anyone since you know I mean he had a perfect opportunity when Coutinho went or you know I think Hughes was very unlucky to get the hamstring injury because it seems to have affected him a lot more than you yep. would expect it to affect someone um, uh, but he's come back strong and and being an impact player off the bench I think the the Watford fans were were crying out for him to start, and I think if he starts, Easter is always Easter to me as a player was always this really important period where you can play four or five games in a short space of time, you can become a, a, get on people's radars really quickly, yeah. and it doesn't matter what you've mm. done in the first half of the season. If you finish strongly, it's what people remember.
2: And also, all it takes is you know one big TV appearance where yeah. you know there's a, a Monday night game at Watford, and he can he can be in the public conscience. Yeah, I think the for me, I, I'm someone that would sacrifice this World Cup in order to blood the new generation of England players. Because um, like England were going to win it. I mean, they were going to win it. You're right. <laughs> this is it. We're, we're not going to win it anyway. Would you, ra- would you rather, Jack... I'm not going to talk to you about England. Chris, Please don't. But would you rather... We, we're not going to win it anyway. Would you rather we don't win it with, you know, Glenn Murray up top? And well, 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 don't, I, got, I heard not, him get mentioned the other day. not Glenn Murray. I heard him get mentioned for England the other day. But with players that have played for a long time who are, you know, wrong, eight, wrong side of 30. Or... Just have a go with the youth team. Like, you know The younger players who've come up together through the 17s, 19s, 21s. I, I would take, for example, if Loftus cheek is fit, I'd take him, I'd take Winks, I'd take Hughes, I'd take Rashford, I'd take Lingard. Lingard's slightly older than those the guys. Thing is
1: I don't think there's, I can't think of many players 30 plus who would be in the first team anyway. No, that's The only one I can true. think of is, I mean, because Joe Hart, for example, whose 30s we presume is not going to play, it had to be Butland or Pickford because mm-hmm. Hart's such a disaster. Gary Cahill, who is also thirty, I think maybe thirty-one, he's not going to be in the first team anymore, I think, because Conte He's not going to go. Conte's dropped him the last few who weeks. Where'd you start for it? This is a different conversation. Well, that, no, but that, for it. So I, I mean We're in. Look, he wants to play he wants to play a back three with Eric Dyer at the middle of the back three. Yeah. Then he'll have John Stones next to him. And then we have one other centre back slot, and the options are not good. I think they are basically Phil Jones. Chris Smalling, who Southgate said is basically unpickable. Uh, <laughs> Harry Maguire, who I think yeah. is quite good. Yep. Michael Keane, who's been an ab- had an mm. absolute disaster this season. And I can't... Um, Jamal And
2: I can't really think of anyone album. else. Be a great late
1: shout, even though he's an ex-Forest
2: player. But, I mean, Stones, you can only play him in a three. So, yeah, that makes sense. I would personally play...
1: But Stones is now fourth-choice at City.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, but Southgate said he won't pick players that don't play. So I don't know how how malleable that is as a as a, a, a viewpoint. I don't know how if he can really do that. Burnley's Have we got enough forward.
0: players? Burnley's back four, just bang them in. Burn me, Tarkovsky. Yeah, bang yeah, them in. I, Job I, done.
2: I, I don't know. Problem with Tarkovsky playing,
0: but that's, what I'm, that's I, that, but that would fit in, Mark. That would definitely fit in with uh, your thinking. When well, you say, "Why the new but ones?" The, those guys are horrendous to break down. It's, the uh, problem uh, with those guys,
1: though, is that like I wonder whether playing for Burnley because they're so well organised and so compact you then take them out of playing for Burnley and life is really hard I think that's that's what happened to Michael Keane who's used to all this protection and now just looks completely lost Oh I
0: agree with that I think, but there's there's an element where you take some of those players out and then they flourish you know they flourish with having better players around them because just for the being unfashionable doesn't mean that those guys couldn't then go to you know Jonathan Woodgate played for Real Madrid do you remember that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I remember his first game.
0: Just, he, now he was a fashionable centre half, but that didn't necessarily mean. But he's somebody that he was that, a very he had very good attributes. Don't he had wrong, a, I'm a, just saying he had a hugely Parkowski.
2: high ceiling, but again, a, a, a career sort of ravaged by injury. Really, mm. I mean, talk th- Newcastle fans now; they they rate him as highly as Shearer uh, yeah. in terms of players that play for their club. Yeah,
0: well, that's uh, uh, and people always like to kind of come down on the fact that the, the certain players are kind of the Rolls Royce. Uh, mm. You know, they they, they have yeah. these kind of. There's a there's an aloofness about the way that they play compared to everyone else. I think um, uh, when I was when I was playing, uh, Carrick was on loan at Swindon, and a couple of my mates from West Ham and a couple of my teammates were there, and they were just like uh, they were like this guy was like uh, just Pepe Le Pew, just skipping past them <laughs> on like the running. He, he, was, he, was, he was fitter than everyone else. His technique with both feet, he was bigger than everyone else. He was 19. Came across as really cocky, but they were like, well, we couldn't really knock him because he was just so much better so than good. everyone else. Yeah. And you get that kind of, that, that, that elevated level of, you know, performance. Well, sorry, exactly. I thought I was going to cut Chris. But my, my point being that unless you give players the opportunity for that, I think there there is a there's a doggedness that you almost respect from centre-halves and you would want, you know, whether that year the Blackburn won the title and, you know, Colin Hendry and David May all of a sudden became these kind of a, a, impenetrable force, you yeah. know, and I, and I think you can be, you can certainly, reputation counts for a lot at centre-half.
2: So what you're saying is try and get Wes Morgan to leave Jamaica and come to... England, yeah, is that what you're
0: uh, Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> or get a Grant Hanley of your own. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, uh, and uh, the rest of the team's down at the bottom of the t- I mean, let's look look forward to some of the games this weekend because I believe it's Manning-Liverpool this weekend. Yeah, uh, so, Saturday, um, early Saturday. That's, that's, and that's one of the big the, the, the big kickers uh, for both of them because you're looking at a team where we didn't really touch on Liverpool, but Liverpool's the way that they kind of, the pedestrian nature, which, which they did dispatch teams at home now, there's a Firmino and Salah understanding that they've probably longed for, even though that you know losing Coutinho was such a big blow. Have you seen them recently, Jack? Um,
1: I actually haven't seen them recently
0: because I've been to I've probably been to more games than you just yeah. through just through uh, through working for various other things, but. Um, but the performances at um, that there's this there's a great atmosphere uh, at Anfield at the minute and there's this the inevitability of them the breaking teams down. Teams always look susceptible at the back and admittedly, you know you, you're always going to expect that after the result of the weekend. But uh, Mark, have you seen have you seen Liverpool this season? Not live. You've not seen United, haven't you? You've been you've attended. Yeah, I've seen United. You've seen so like a few I was going to say, yeah. in terms of being home to Liverpool, what, 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 how do you see that one going?
2: Well, I mean, I can't see anything other than. Mourinho being pragmatic and you know just trying to contain even at few, home even against Liverpool I can
1: see that it's a they? huge test for Mourinho I think because his tactics when City went there in what November December in City one two one 2 one and Mourinho just of the bus they went down so badly with United fans and I think United fans are even more sensitive about how he's going to set up against Liverpool at home than they would be against City at home yeah and that means that I think he's kind of under a bit of He's under a bit of pressure to go out and play some attacking football or try and take the game to Liverpool, but I think he'll he will know very very clearly that if they do that, Liverpool can kill them on the break. Hmm. Um, so I think that Mourinho's kind of it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. But the,
0: this is the thing: Liverpool's Liverpool are stronger on the break. Whether unless you put Liverpool under pressure at the back, what's the point in sitting up and soaking up pressure against them? You know, is is it worth going out and trying to win that game? Because for Mourinho. But I mean, I define out for second. Essentially, there that's that's a massive. It's a massive, you know, pointer to who's going to go for second place.
2: But then, if, if United attack Liverpool, and as we've said, Liverpool can kill anyone on the break. He's going to look ridiculous. He's going. To, that's, that's, that looks like bad management. And we've seen this this uh, season that Liverpool still struggle against a low block. You know, Swansea mm. away, and there's a few other examples. So maybe it is. It's not the most exciting. But maybe it's the best thing to do. It is to. Sit a bit deeper and try and hit play like you were playing away. Essentially,
0: who's who's he sitting place because obviously he's got a match in there. But I mean, in terms of his his midfield, I mean, like tonight, we well, obviously yeah, there's no point in commenting too much on the result. But the lineup: McTominay starts as Mattes and Palmer. Yeah, so yeah, yes, that so is a three. midfield three could be quite exciting for United if you know. in terms of going forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's been kind of designed to give Pogba the right platform. You know, having two more defensive players alongside him, yeah, who can do, who can kind of free him up so he doesn't have to defend. Um, But I mean, still with United, you know, we're coming towards the end of Mourinho's second season. There, I don't think he's got any idea what his best team is. No, no. he doesn't really know. He hasn't. He hasn't certainly hasn't got the best out of Pogba. Has he got the best out of Lukaku? Probably not. No, Martial no, Rashford no, Lingard yes, I'll give him that one. Lingard yeah, yeah. So he's the it. least talented of those players yeah but, but you, that's about it I do think.
0: do you think those players there's a duty on them to kind of convince them because Martial Martial by all accounts if you turn up and watch him every week actually being there you see the quality of him and you see him being a player that should have forced yeah. his way into kind of being one of the best but he's
2: got a track record with this hasn't he Mourinho yeah, with wide players and I think that Lingard excels because he plays he might start right or left but he drifts whereas Martial will will hug the touchline and he's one of those proper wide players that Mourinho has had a, he's got history he with, with, with the ball. yeah I mean I don't know I'm not, he's obviously not as regimented as um, Van Gaal was but it feels like their forwards haven't got there's no there's, n- there's nothing in place in from what you hear they don't train as a unit together as, as their forwards it feels like they're just told to get on with it mm. and I don't know if that is helpful to a young, a young developing winger
1: I think he's also got an issue with young players like a lot like, yes Lingard's young but he does um, kind of 25 dip, yeah true uh, whereas you know uh, Martial and Rashford who are two of the most talented young players around and Pogba of course he's kind of done nothing with really in a way yeah. and I think he kind of I wonder whether he struggles to get through to some of those guys if he think he's a, they want a more kind of arm around the shoulder manager, whereas yeah. Mourinho is a bit more old school. He want, he kind of thinks that through bollocking, so he can kind yeah. of get the best out and of them.
0: digging them out in public as well. He wasn't always no like arm. this, was he?
1: He used to be the arm around the player manager. No, he, he, I think even at Chelsea, like first time around, he used to dig players out in public. Yeah. did, he he? did a lot to, to Joe Cole, I remember with it's, some
0: success. It's a classless kind of way of managing, isn't it? But it, it, the, the way that just exposing your players to criticism after when it's very easy to do. So, um, I'd like to flip it and talk about a manager that I think is on the opposite end of the spectrum, Carlos Calvajal, who is phenomenal. I mean, I love the guy at Sheffield, and I loved his post-match after Swansea when he's talking about rock and roll and he's going yeah. because we just imposed our rock and roll on to you know West Ham when I mean, West Ham would dire. But fair play to Swansea and the way that he's turned that around because that was. <sighs> That was a dead. Oh, they're like twelfth now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's with indicative Arsenal. of yeah, literally. <laughs> that, that was the first team that I looked at. Like what, six points, seven points behind Arsenal. It's ridiculous the way that that's panned out. But how he's transformed that team—that's a perfect example of someone. You talk about the difference between Arsenal and City not being much about performance or, or ability, but Swansea have certainly shown that they're more than capable of uh, competing.
1: Yeah, I think it's like the best example of a new manager bounce I can remember for years. And what's even more impressive about it is it's not like, it's not one of the kind of traditional firefighters like a Big Sam or Roy or Moyes or whoever or Pulis. Um, it's a guy who, frankly, lots of people were surprised when he took over. And a lot of people were thinking, well, presumably they've just got him in because of his championship experience for next season because they know they're going to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that was, was actually, seemed quite
0: painfully uh, true, didn't speaking it? Speaking to
1: a Swansea player about it, and he was saying to me that, like Carvalho probably isn't as good a coach as Paul Clement but what he's done for the kind of belief and confidence there which was completely dead yeah. and had been for a long time has really made all the difference that's
0: fascinating so the, from the dressing room the dressing room we're happy to sit because I, I find that really interesting and and you can imagine him uh instilling you with that confidence as a manager because he seems to have this kind of he's robust enough to take a uh, take a beating. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. guy's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go down, but I'll go down fighting." Yeah. And that's a, that's something that, you yeah, respect as a player and as a you know as a fan.
2: Yeah. Well, I thought when Clement left, I thought this is at most a sideways step to Carvial. But actually, yeah, you're right. He's just completely rejuvenated that entire squad. They, they look like a it's a cliche, but a completely a completely different club. Everything looks looks different about them. They they seem positive. They seem happy to be there. And yeah. they're they're really they're not just beating teams. They're beating them well at the moment. Yeah. And it's not just West Ham at the weekend, they've got some really good results the last mm. few weeks.
1: If I can pick out one individual qu- quickly, Key, oh, he's absolutely mm. amazing. Mm. He was. I remember thinking how good he was back, You know, I don't know, like four years ago, back in the good old days of Lounge up and then Monk. And then for whatever reason, he's kind of, I don't know if he got injured, but he's faded away a bit. But just through watching the last few Swansea games on telly and highlights, he looks incredible again. Like he's so, he's mobile, he's big, he's strong, he scores goals, he's kind of, he looks like he's got everything.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. And... and getting to see players like that that have a little bit of redemption, you know, yeah. particularly a club where, because that, that's the beauty of the, the league when it's set up like that, that you want to see these teams come through and it, it makes you put faith back in. Good management and a, a good atmosphere. Listen guys, uh, just on our last note, what have what, what you been up to recently, Mark? Have you uh, what, what have you got in the offing? Not that wasn't having a go. that was just me <laughs> asking a nice question as a friend. And um, as a have been co- gigging podder. all over the
2: place, mate. Lots of gigging, but also um, I'm doing a thing with Man United, um, the uh, Everything But Football Football Show, which nice. you can get on Facebook through Chevrolet FC. Yes. Let's check that out. Uh, the most recent one has got um interview Paul Pogba and Romelu Lukaku and uh, others.
0: You've got a lovely rapport with those guys. They seem They're to, good guys, they've, man. They've accepted they realize, you as one They realise, um, yeah, that's it. The real
2: deal. What's always interesting is, so I sat with Lukaku and Pogba, who are just such sort of phenomenal athletes. Yes. And I sat there and I'm like, Technically, we're the same... We're humans. <laughs> same age. But they're just way better humans. <laughs> Ten years younger than me, so it's so just embarrassing.
0: be bad in yourself. I mean, the, the speed at which your brain wears around, I, you know, it would, it would terrify them, I think.
2: Yeah, but you can hear my brain moving. It's not you the same. You really
0: it's can. Cog, I can see it moving, it, yeah. bulging in your forehead. <laughs> uh, Jack, well, uh, it's the luxury of a, a week off for you, I hear.
1: Yeah, no that's, work for me. I'm so, unheard of uh, for a football game. i probably going to... Uh, Biliriki Town Dulwich Hamlet in the Bostic Premier Division tomorrow, if it's on. Mm-hmm. The, Just to that. see my beloved Dulwich Hamlet against uh, the slightly less beloved Biliriki Town.
0: That's it, and uh, that's well. Uh, how did they get on the earlier on? Did Biliriki win that one? Glen Tamplin. Uh, uh, no, Army. they
1: lost to Worthing on Saturday. I think that's right. I saw they're, that. They're in a bit of a dip, Biliriki. I think they've lost like maybe f- the last four of their last five in the league. Yeah, they've got tons of games in hand because of their FA Trophy run yeah. earlier in the season. Uh, And so they don't need to do that well to win the division. But equally, the wheels are all coming off. Tamplin resigned, then kind of unresigned, sacked himself, unsacked himself.
0: Hoist by their own petard. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, And, you know, there's kind of police investigations and all the rest well, of it. Well, let's, let's leave yeah. that to somebody. Well, it's fine, that, you can Google it. Yeah, you're you're, you're doing week all, off, which is so rare. You are go go, Going Champions. to non-league football.
0: Bussman's holiday. He's, just, he's yeah. just a proper, fan. I'm just, a proper a, fan. I'm
1: just addicted to going to football. Yeah, that's, that's a good well, one. Well, uh, Jack Pitbrook,
0: uh, Mark Smith, thank you very much for your company tonight. It's Cheers, been grips. mostly enjoyable and I uh, hope to see you both again soon on the Whistleblowers. Thanks.
1: This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by LabBrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements which large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM